Welcome into a brand new Friday Scramble, April 15th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, it is not technically tax day. You have until Monday this year. Uh, have you have you filed your taxes? Yeah, I've been working. I get help from my dad. My dad set me up with his guy and he has helped me. Um, I'm still working through it. Th- you know, this is like my second year of like being an adult. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a, a learning curve that I'm still working on, but we're improving. How about yourself? Yeah. There's also like that when you work for yourself, there's like also a lot of weird crap that goes on when you're doing yeah. your taxes. So this is the first year I think that we had an accountant do it. And I was like, thank God, because even on TurboTax, it tries to walk you through it. I never know what's right, what's wrong. I'm just doing a lot of guessing. So this time we finally had a professional do it. That's what I get help with too. Yeah. I, I would n- I would be so lost without the help of someone. There's so many weird things that I'm still trying to figure out as I go. And I, I'm the same way. I'm, you know, I'm kind of like an independent, I work for you. I work, I do freelance for other stuff. Like I have all these sponsorships with pot. It's just, it's complicated, especially people like us. It doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, exactly right. We are indeed presented by Prize Picks. We're going to get to the props here very, very shortly. We're going to look at what is turning up to be a very windy harbor town here early on Friday. But Andy, the other thing that is interesting about this date, this is the date the Titanic sunk or at least hit mm. the iceberg. I think it sunk maybe in the wee hours of tomorrow morning. That was like 110 years ago or something mm. like something outrageous. Yeah, a couple of my golfers are uh, are following suit and 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 sinking in in a very similar fashion. Unfortunately, how how long does it take before you can start to monetize uh, a disaster like the Titanic, right? Which has been movies and books and all like there has been so much money made off of this. You, you can't do that the year after a tragedy. You have to wait what 50, 60 years before you can start cashing in. Well, uh, this is a great topic. Actually, I think it's a little bit sooner because uh, look at all the have you have you seen this new wave of television shows that are kind of um, exploiting very recent events? Like uh, they made they made it yeah they made a show about WeWork, which is the failed startup. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, and so they did that about very good by the way. It's called We Crash. It's on Apple TV, and they did that about. I don't know how many years the WeWork thing happened to go. It was less than 10. Same with the dropout, which is about Theranos. Yeah. So that's right. It's good. That one caught me off guard too, because I was like, okay, like what was the resolution of this? And, and the answer was, uh, oh, she's, she hasn't been sentenced yet. And I'm like, what? This is still like, this was only a couple of years ago. This is outrageous. Exactly. So it's still going on. Is getting much shorter. Yes, they're they're even making one about Uber. They're even I'm watching the Uber one right now too, which Uber obviously didn't really fail, but the founder of Uber had this crazy story where things went awry for him very quickly. So I guess the point being is there's this new economy of taking real world events, often negative real world events or 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 controversial real world events and, and monetizing them very quickly into content. Well, how about we just do it live right now? We'll just turn it into content. How poorly some of these golfers are doing out at Harbortown. Cause I'm, I'm watching Andy uh, winds are kicking up. 
Looks like guys are sprinting to get into the clubhouse here. Yeah, I would not. And we can we can talk about like the live odds and stuff like that, but I would not want to place a wager on anybody that has yet to play golf yet. I don't know why you would want to do that. It's playing almost a stroke and a half over par right now. And what's to say that it's going to get any easier in the afternoon? Yeah, if the greens trust, are just going to firm up. If you trust the weather forecast, uh, the the winds that are rolling in right now will be there for the entirety of the afternoon wave. The morning wave had to play, you know, six to nine holes with these winds. So yeah, there's no there's no real reason to think this is going to be getting any easier. So guys like. Eric Van Royen, guys like Joaquin Neiman, even Cam uh, Tringali, Aaron Wise, who are already in the clubhouse. I, I think their position in, uh, is going to get better throughout the day. I agree. I was looking at Sungjae, um, who still has, I think, four or five holes to play, but he's he's sitting at four under par, right? And I think, I think there's a pretty decent chance, Rick, that you know four under par is going to be maybe inside the top ten. Heading into tomorrow and the cut, it's looking like the cut's going to be like even. Yeah, I would. I think the cut last year was like three or four under. Yeah, much, much different. Yeah, even par right now would be T71. But right, that's not far off from a couple of guys dropping out and moving that to inside the cut line. I think it's going to be even for sure. And I would even I would even lean closer to plus one than I would to minus one. I think um, it falls closer to plus one than minus one, if I had to guess. Cam Young out in front as of right now, but he's got to play in the afternoon. A stellar 63 on Thursday. Uh this I'm I'm a Cam Young believer, but I like him at Tory and Riviera. When I saw Harbortown on the schedule, didn't necessarily think it was going to be a good spot for him. If he starts being able to do stuff like this at every course on the on the schedule, that's very, very dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, I think he was a surprise for many this week, myself included. We look at a place like Harbortown where it has some of the stickiest course history on the PGA Tour, and Cam Young has never played it before. It, as you already alluded to, arguably mitigates Cam Young's biggest advantage and his biggest weapon, which is the ability to drive the ball long and straight. This is definitively a less-than-driver course. It's a course that takes driver out of your hands that you don't need to hit driver on. So I, like many, I think kind of looked at Cam Young and said, eh, this isn't really the week for Cam Young. And and suddenly you have him sitting at the top of the leaderboard. And, and you know, some of these guys, like, I always have to check myself on this, Rick, because, I mean, Mito Pereira is playing well, too. He's another guy that's uber talented. Mm-hmm. Didn't really think this was necessarily the best fit, or at the very least, he had it played here before ever. And suddenly, these guys are on top, which is just kind of another uh, another example of sometimes it's just talent over a course fit. Is Cam Young currently the front runner for Rookie of the Year? The other options would be Chad Ramey, who's won, but it was an opposite yeah. field. Sahith, Mito Pereira, Davis Riley. Those are probably the top five. I My vote would go to Cam Young, no matter how this event finishes. I think right now Cam Young has the most high finishes. He's had the most impressive totality of resume, right? He's, he's in the official world golf rankings top 50. He played in the Masters. I think Sahith has a chance to... Uh, to give him a run for his money. Sahith has had more contending performances 
to this point, right? Like he had a real chance to win at the Sanderson farms. He had a real chance to win in Phoenix. He also played great and had kind of like a backdoor top six at the Valspar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sahith has a chance to give him a run for his money. Cam young, I think this week is probably going to change it. Right. But e- even at Riviera, he was in it, but it was kind of always Joaquin's to lose. Whereas Sahith has been in the driver's seat on the back nine before um, at a tournament like Phoenix, where he was in the mix with Cantlay and Xander and all these great guys. So I would agree. Leader in the clubhouse, Cam. I, I wouldn't count out Sahith, though. Any other things that you're looking for this afternoon? We'll get to the live odds. Obviously, the weather, but there are a couple of big names who are hovering around that cut line. Justin Thomas tees off this afternoon. He's one under. We think this is probably going to go to even par. We've got some guys who are finishing up their rounds. Um, Colin Morikawa, who we can talk about as your, as your one and done. Webb Simpson. Like things, If things go sideways over the next couple of holes, some of the big names might not be around for the weekend. Yeah, Dustin Johnson as well. I think he's at like plus one or something like that. Cam Smith has kind of battled back a little bit. He's he's in the mix as well. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be tough. I think the guys that I'm most interested to see how they perform, not just because they were two of my core plays in DraftKings, but Cantlay and Connors, right? Um, I, I think those are the guys that are sitting there at five under that are probably the best players in the mix right now, but still have 18 holes to play in super, super difficult conditions. So I'm going to be really curious to see whether those guys go backwards or, or forwards. Cantlay is kind of, Cantlay is kind of a guy that I, I, I trust in windier conditions, Connor's to be determined, right? You know, so I'm really interested to see how both of those guys fare this afternoon. Awesome. Okay, very cool. Well, listen, let's fast forward to the props segment of the show. We've got four props. I've got a stat about hole number 14. We've got essentially a free square from our friends over at Prize Picks. So make sure that you're using the code Rick to deposit. There's a link in the description. Get your fingers ready because we've seen these move almost immediately. We'll hit the odds, uh, or excuse me, we'll hit the props on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, let's prop it like it's hot. Yesterday, 2-1-1, and which I think if you split up the props like I do and you make them two-leggers and then three-leggers and then you've got the four-leg as well, I was close to even. A push makes your four- or three-leg prop a a two- or a three-leg prop. It just removes it. And we're going to try to find four today. And I think a lot of them, Andy, we're, we're looking at the wind. We see the weather coming in. We're making some assumptions. Yeah. So, all right, let's start it off here. So I want to talk about Daniel Berger. Um, he's over, I, he's 69.5, um, for this afternoon on prize picks. Um, so the course already this morning, Rick is mm-hmm. 
playing to a 72.12 scoring average uh, in the morning. I have no reason to believe that that is going to get any easier as the day goes on. And, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies that went to Augusta last week and was following him at Augusta. And he was like, Berger looked hurt to me. He looked like he was doubled Mm -hmm. over over bunkers. He was spending a lot of time grabbing his back in, in the fairways. I'm never one to like really speculate on injuries. I, that's why I didn't really talk about this too much before the tournament started, because then it's like, oh, you told me Burger was hurt. I didn't play Burger. It's like, we don't know. I'm just going based off what I've been told by a trusted friend, and I'm willing to take that risk. I don't think you should. It's up to you whether you want to take that risk, but I didn't play any Daniel Berger this week, and I'm going to continue to fade him. So I'm going with Berger over 69.5. Yeah, it is always tough with the injury concerns because it's a situation where, listen, a lot of these guys, they play a lot of golf. A lot of them do a lot of stretching. They do a lot of bending over. They do a lot of whatever, and it can be perceived as injury, but it would make sense, honestly, because Berger lost across the board at the Masters, which is something he rarely does. So, you know, the story starts to add up a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, I always tell people, uh, you know, like Rick, I think some of the stuff that we do really well is we, our information guys, right? We're not, we're not tip sellers or, or touts, right? We put out really good information, but we want other people to make their own decisions based on our information. I think I have really good information. I don't always make the best decisions with my own information, right? So I have been told that Berger looked bad at the masters. I'm not a high stakes DFS player. I'm willing to act on that information, but whether you want to act on that information, completely up to you. Berger could go out and shoot a 66 this afternoon. Uh, I'm just going off what I saw, and I thought that number felt a little bit too low, even if he was fully healthy, Rick. Yeah, I'm with you. So I'm going uh, over 71 strokes on Charles Howe third. Honestly, the course is already a shot and a quarter over par. It probably gets closer to a shot and a half. Maybe if things get really bad in the afternoon, maybe 1.75, which is essentially at 71 strokes or even 72 strokes, you're asking Charles how to gain strokes on the field. Maybe one, maybe one and a half. He lost 2.2 strokes on approach uh, yesterday. He lost 2.25 from T to green. Just all facets were not really working. I think off the tee, he gained a little bit. That's the only place he found success. And again, the like I'm watching... You know, they've got leaves on the ground at Hilton Head right now, Andy, and I'm watching them swirl around, giving these guys fits. I just, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult in the afternoon. The chat is saying, by the way, these moved significantly. And I did these, I don't know, wow. 8.30 a.m. Pacific time, maybe 30 so minutes before minutes. You know, 30 we minutes. went on the air. Yeah. Wow. Got to be quick, that, I guess. That, that can't be us because we're doing this show live and, and giving it out live. You want to know I, a deep. I think they're very protective of when, when there's weather. So, so yes. if you remember like last year on prize picks, um, they did not let you do all overs, all unders because they were getting wiped on days like this, where it was just like, Oh, there's, you know, the course is going to play a stroke harder in the afternoon, take all the stroke overs. And they changed yeah. that this year. Uh, which is great, obviously, but I, I think they are very, when they see days like this and weather changing, I think they're moving lines pretty quickly. And as you mentioned, 
I've noticed there aren't really any hole by hole props this week because those are the wines that they have the most difficulty moving, right? It, you can't really move it off of, you know, four or 4.5 that much. I got a DM, uh, I think a after our Tuesday show saying you guys should release your prize pick selections to Rick run good subscribers before the show starts. <laughs> I said, I said, I'll, I'll talk to the boss. I'll see what I can do, but I can't make any promises. I don't, I don't know about that one, Rick. That's your call. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, listen, there's, um, and this like, okay, the stuff that applies to Charles, Howe the third, uh, who I think lost, you know, or who I know lost two strokes on approach yesterday. And also the wind is kicking up and playing in the afternoon. Like that probably applies to a lot of guys in the field as well. Right. So while yeah. we wrote down Charles Howe over 71, the logic and the reason applies to a lot of guys. Yeah. And by the way, I always try and do this. If the show is, if the lines are moving on us live, like, would I still take Berger at 71? Yeah, I think I would. If it was 72, probably I wouldn't, right? There's always a demarcation point for everything. But I'm fading Berger. So I'm fading Berger at whatever the price is. Guess what? The course is still playing 72.3 right now. Right. So I still think there is – I don't like it as much as I like 69.5. Maybe be a little bit – more conservative with it, but I would still take the over on 71. Right. Is Berger going to gain a shot and a half on the field? I guess we'll, we'll find out, but that's, yeah. that's what you're asking him even at that worst line. Um, finally, we both settled on two different fairway props here, both on the unders. I went with Hatton under eight. He hit four yesterday. We talked about the wind. He is generally not a very accurate golfer off the tee in general. He's 153rd on tour this year. He hits 56% of them. And that's in, you know, average kind of mostly ideal conditions on tour. I'll take Hatton under eight. Yeah, so I I looked at the same thing and I had Kisner was 9.5, which was the highest of anyone. Um now he did, I think it was probably because he hit 10 yesterday, still losing strokes off the tee, which is funny, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I think it's gonna be tougher, way tougher this afternoon than it was yesterday morning. Um, he went out in the easiest conditions and played very well. Uh, and I just, this was just a number play, Rick. I felt 9.5 was really high. I think it's a little bit harder to hit these fairways in the wind. And of the players that were at 9.5, I think there were two or three of them. Kisner's still by far the worst driver of them all. So I went with Kevin Kisner under 9.5 fairways. Uh, Daniel Berger over strokes, Kisner under fairways, Hal over strokes, Hatton under fairways are our props. The other thing, two other little nuggets here, Andy. Um, you can also parlay any of those or any combination of those with uh, Joel Embiid over because th that's the free square. So it's over a half a point for tomorrow's game. So you can take two of these or three of these, throw in Joel Embiid, you've got yourself a free square. I think there is a limit on it, 50 or 20 bucks. I don't know what it is, but it, that's still a four or five X return. If you can, if you build it that way, how are we feeling about our Sixers, by the way? I know you're a Philly guy. I don't love. Okay. So, so, um, I, I still have demons of the Raptors from that Kawhi ball that bounced around and then dropped. Um, yeah. The Raptors are like a trendy upset pick this week. 
they're also a good home team. Like, like, you know, the whole, we, the North thing is a little bit scary. Um, I guess our best defender, uh, Thibel, I guess he's not vaccinated, so he can't play on the road. He can't play in Toronto. So you lose him. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not super excited. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, maybe we can get playoff Harden and he turns back into like a triple double machine. I don't know, man. I'm worried. I'm worried. Fair enough. I like your guys's draw a little bit. Uh, I like, I, I think the heat are vulnerable. So I think if you can find a way to get past the Raptors, I like that you're not on the side of Kevin Durant and Giannis yes. is about as far as I will go. For yeah. sure. For sure. The East is a lot harder um, than it has been in, in, in recent years. Oh, yeah. Um, also, I will say this. Um, there is, you mentioned the single hole stuff. There is a single hole green in regulation for hole 14, which that is a line they cannot move. It is either you hit the green or you do not. Obviously, small sample sizes create more volatility, but hole 14, as of right now, the green in regulation rate, 32%, 18 out of 56 in this moment, 32%. You could take under Horschel, under Kisner, and the free square on Embiid, and I think it's like, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it's like four times. Yeah. So I'd have to go check. That's the longer par three, right? Correct. Yeah, so it's playing like one, uh, 190 today. The winds are kicking. 32% is what the, what the green regulation is at right now. Yeah, and I've already watched a few guys come through there. That hole is that hole is a beast. Let me see how how high it is playing over par. Um, yeah, it's playing almost. It's playing a half a stroke over par. Yeah, so yeah. you could do so. The Kisner under the Horschel under. If you think they're both going to miss it, and the over on Embiid is four and a half times a payout. Yeah, which would be Kisner kind of and Horschel. By the way, you know they've not the best historic iron players either that is true <laughs> um okay so the code you're looking for rick there's a link in the in the description go out there get yourself those props right now the, again the free square is joel Embiid, uh half of a point tomorrow so if he scores one point you win uh andy i want to go back to the live odds i want to talk a little bit about news and things that are going on around the world of golf but we'll hit that on the other side if you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks then you're not really playing daily fantasy they offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else you pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry they allow mixed sport entries meaning you can take the over on lebron james and the under on john rom the golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Okay. And do you want to turn our attention back to the RBC heritage for just uh, one second? Of course, Cam Young goes out birdies his first hole. So he has now moved to nine under par two shots clear of Joaquin Neiman, who is also still out on the golf course and Cam Young 
As of this moment, the favorite uh, to win the RBC Heritage plus 550 with Neiman at plus 700, Cantlay at 750, Shane Lowry at 8-1. to one. You were saying earlier about guys who are out on the golf course right now, Neiman is 7-1. to one. He's got a couple holes to play. Oh, he and he legit just shanked one out of a bunker, so maybe I should stop that sentence. Um, <laughs> is he like the real favorite to win this with what we expect these guys to actually deal with? Yeah, I would say that's fair about uh, Neiman. What's Sungjae at? He just a cold shanked a 22 to 1. So Sungjae is 22 to 1. He is four under par, which is right now five back, and he has four holes to play. Yeah, and he's got 32 feet for birdie on six. I think Sungjae would be the guy. I'll give you one more, and I'm a little biased because I bet this guy pre-tournament at 180 to one. He's already all done. What's Patton Kazire at? Okay, Patton Kazire's 40 to one. Ah, oh, man. I thought you'd be able to get something a little more than that. He's minus four. He's completely done. He's off the golf course. He's hit the ball really well the first two days as well. So I, I, Patton Kazire, I think will be, we'll say relevant as the tournament goes on. I am a little bit worried about my one and done selection. You said you are, you're more confident about Patrick Cantlay in the wind. He got off to a really good start, Andy. He was five under par in round number one. Your selection, Colin Morikawa, currently one under. He has three holes to go. He has a birdie putt on number seven, which is his 16th hole of the day. I'm not going to count my chickens yet because I've had a lot of really good Friday updates, Andy. My Friday updates for one done have all been very, very good. Generally, the results have not been great for me. Yeah, I think you have to like the position that you're in, obviously, with Cantlay. Um, I feel good that Morikawa is going to hang around for the weekend, though. I'm already starting to see... It's starting to trend closer to plus one. I mean, Webb is Webb is giving my DraftKings lineups quite a sweat right now. Um, but I think if you can get, I mean, what do you think can't what do you think the lead is heading into tomorrow? Do you see Cameron Young like shooting a, you know, getting to 10, 11 under today? I think if you offered him nine right now, he should take it, which is where he's at. Uh, but that's one under for the day. I, yeah, I would not be surprised to see it. I, I think the most likely outcomes are, are nine or 10. He's playing really well. He can, he can overpower this a little bit. We're going to see how good he is following up a really good round on the PGA tour and front running a little bit. There, we're, we're very much in um, unknown territory right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if I was Cameron Young, I would sign for 10 under par. And yeah. I think if I was... Like, if I was any of those guys at five, by the way, Rick, if I was Cantlay or Connors, like, I'd probably sign for, like, getting to seven. Like, that's how hard – I mean, the it's yeah. playing it's playing 73, over 73. So, if you right. shoot 69, that's a damn good round. Yeah, gaining four on the field is, like, uh, an amazing round. Just take it right yeah. now. Take yeah. the rest of the afternoon off. Um, okay, so – I want to turn our attention a little bit here because there is uh, uh, some golf news. We haven't done golf news in a while, but this week was was pretty busy. Um, let's start with the big cat. Uh, commits to the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, Andy. The okay. amazing J.P. McManus Pro-Am, which actually gets a pretty decent field. The key here is that this is in Ireland 10 days before the Open Championship. This says to me, 
the big cat is all in on St. Andrews. Is this a sanctioned, what tour is this? Is this a, is this a DP world tour event or it's just a, I think it's just like a, um, business like, uh, JP McManus is an Irish businessman. So I think this is just like, I don't know if you, if it was like the Charles Schwab pro-am where he gets all his buddies together to fund something at a really nice course and invites a lot of rich CEOs and pairs them with professionals. Yeah. It's at a dear manner, I believe, by the way, which is the Ryder cup venue. And I want to say 2026, something like that. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, Great, great golf course, a dear manner. Yes. I understand this move completely for tiger. I think the biggest, the thing that I was so interested about Rick with tiger going forward is is he quite literally going to play only the majors going forward or is he going to try and tune up once or twice a year as well? Like that was what I was trying to figure out with tiger, because I think it would hypothetically make a lot of sense for tiger to play the occasional, I don't know, Harbor town or Sedgefield, some of these shorter golf courses where he could get some competitive reps under his belt, they fit his style of gameplay a little bit more. And I think the other school of school of thought is why waste that, right? Like why waste any more energy than he'd rather just, he knows what it feels like to be under competition in a major championship. Why not just play at medalist? So I was really interested to see that he's at least going to get some competitive reps. I have to say, I like it. I, I don't love the idea of just rolling major championship into major championship into major championship. Uh, I agree. And I think we've talked about this before. What was he going to do in between starts? We know he wasn't going to play a full event the week before. That's something he hasn't done in a long time. This is brilliant. This is this is the opportunity to go get two very casual rounds in that he can take as seriously as he wants. He can get accustomed to being overseas. He can get a little bit of uh, you know European-style golf. I mean, this is no pressure, but he can take it seriously if he wants to. It's brilliant. This is so smart. He... Didn't he put his name in for, didn't he register for the U S open as well? He did, which is not, um, you know, it's not, it's not, doesn't necessarily mean he's playing right. Phil Mickelson also did the same thing. Uh, it just means he's as of right now, still eligible to play. He's in the U S open, right? Like he's qualified. Does he have to qualify for the U S (laughs) open? No, I mean, doesn't don't, don't, what's the past champion qualification? I don't know. I know it's not like the Masters in the sense that just if you win a U.S. Open, you're there for life. That's the reason why I ask. Winner of the U.S. Open in the last 10 years? Uh, last no, he U.S. Hasn't Open he won was Torrey Pines. Was 08, right? Okay. Yeah. How about... Oh, uh, boy. Winner of... No, 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 no. Yeah, top? Uh, <laughs> is he? He's got to be... There- there's got to be no. There, here, there's there's special exemptions here. So he's got to be in on a special a special exemption. Hundred percent. If if they let Ricky Fowler into the PGA Championship and they don't let Tiger into the U.S. Open, we just we riot. Aaron Duncan in the chat. This might be right. Five year exemption from winning the Masters in 2019. Great call, Aaron. That would check. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, we, here it is. Winner of each Masters Open Championship, PGA Championship for the last five years. Great call. There you go. Great. But I'm sure, yeah. right, even if he was not, they would obviously grant him a special exemption. And he could play. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think Southern Hills is the one that's the wild card, right? Because it's, it's a lot sooner than you think. Um, it doesn't look like he would put, I mean, I don't see him, you know, he's not going to play like a, you know, the tournaments in between the PGA championship is right around the corner, Rick. It's like, we have the Zurich next week. Then I think we have that uh, Mexico event. And then I think we have quail hollow. And then I think it's Southern Hills PGA championship week. So I don't know. Do you think we see him at the PGA? Hmm. I will say yes, but yeah. I, I have, I just think that by all accounts, the masters was a great success, right? Obviously without being in tune with what his body feels and felt the days after, or maybe still feels right now. But I think with, um, rehab enough time to reset. I think as we start to get closer, the juices are going to start flowing a little bit. I'm going to say yes, but I am not very confident in that. I'm going to side with you. I would still put it at like 50, 50 right now, but I'm going to side with you. I just, I think that like tiger, I think there are a couple factors at play. I think one, I think he cares about, Nicholas's record and you can't skip majors at 46 years old. You just, if you think you're healthy enough to play and it's not a risk that you would play and, and potentially injure yourself more. And you think you can go in that sense, you can't skip any majors. And is Southern Hills the best fit for where tiger's game is at right now? No, but it's not the worst fit either. It's the same challenge that he faced at Augusta. It's less about the course fit than it is the walk and the 72 holes. Right. And I, I also think the other side of it is Tiger just looked so happy and at peace to me, just like being in the mix. I think he like, I think he needs to compete. I think it, I think that fire burns so strong in him that he probably took so much joy. It seemed like out of playing the weekend at Augusta, it had been so long since he'd been able to do that. And that's why it has me leaning towards, okay, if there's an opportunity for him to play, chances are, I think he would give it a go. Speaking of injury, Bryson DeChambeau undergoes uh, what he described as successful surgery on the hand. This was something Andy that we had talked about before where, you know, that injury seemed kind of worse than he was leading on. He tried to play through the pain a couple of times uh, leading up to the Masters, obviously did not get the result that he wanted, and now he took uh, took care of it, and there is going to be some downtime. I don't know what that is, four to six weeks probably, something like that before he can start swinging a golf club again, but um, Bryson is going to try to get healthy, which I think leads to a lot of other questions about the style of golf that he plays. Yeah. I mean, this brings me back to the conversation that we had in December, Rick, about whose career would you want going forward? And I think the biggest concern that both of us had was how sustainable is what Bryson is doing, right? And I think both of us said, well, we're a little dubious. We also think that Bryson is obsessed with golf and obsessed with being better. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count him out of, you know, potentially reinventing himself down the road. Maybe this is a inflection point for him. Maybe this is when he says, 
okay, maybe what I was doing with the distance gains, maybe that's not as sustainable as we think, but I wouldn't put it past him to think of something else and kind of reinvent the way that he's doing it. Also, like, it's very convenient for us to be able to say like, oh, the complete 100% reason why he got hurt was because of this, which, you know, it's probably the odds on favorite of it. It had something to do with it, right? But, you know, we we don't really know. So I think what I'm most curious to see, Rick, is where Bryson goes from here. Does he come back from injury and you start to see him maybe taking a little bit of a different approach? I think it's probably safe to say that during this time injured, he's going to lose some weight, right? He's probably going to lose a little bit of power. He's not going to be able to be working out and in the gym as, as much as he was. And, you know, it'll be very interesting to see where, where Bryson goes in terms of his, his style of play coming off this injury. I believe since the transformation, uh, I think it's three wins, 2020 rocket mortgage, 2020 U S open 2021, Arnold Palmer, invitational i mean you could argue that's a pretty good success three wins in a year and a half one of them being a major one of them being yeah. the api he probably is not contended nearly as much as he would like especially at augusta national but it's a decent set of results yeah i, I you have to deem it a success in my opinion whether he even if he comes back from the hand injury and loses a bunch of weight and says, you know what, this isn't worth it for me. I'm in the, I'm doing this for the long game here. Like he won the U S open at winged foot by five. Like that's, that's incredible. You know, that was one of the most like underrated sporting performances I've seen in the last decade. I think the fact that we didn't have fans there and it was during football season, people forget about how amazing that performance at the U S open was. I've played that course before. You can't do that to winged foot. That was not in the projections. You can't do that. So, you know, I, I, whatever happens with Bryson, I'm rooting for him. I think this is, I think Bryson's great for the game, whatever he does. I love when Bryson is in the mix. And, um, you know, I think we just saw over the past couple of weeks, like he said that his doctor told him not to play in the masters and he right. did it anyway. Right. Yeah. He's a nut. It's crazy. Um, also, maybe a nut, Greg Norman. So a little bit of news around Live Golf Invitational, I think they're calling it now. Um, so, you know, just more reports about who's going, which is basically the same list of guys that we kind of already knew about. It's the Jason Kokraks, Kevin Nas, um, Bubba Watsons, uh, Lee Westwoods. I don't think there's any surprises from what we continue to hear, right? No huge surprises. Um, you know, I think, we talked about this when we did our deep dive um, on live where we both kind of said, you know what? They've lost a lot of momentum, but I don't think that we can stick a fork in them yet mm -hmm. because there are so many second tier players. When I say second tier players, I'm talking about that group of guys who are maybe in the back end of their career that are going to have a very, very difficult time competing with the likes of Victor Hovland and John Rahm and Colin Morikawa for the rest of their career, but are still good enough players, right? To, you know, they're probably not going to win a ton on the PGA tour or European tour. But if, if Greg Norman's saying to them, Hey, you guys can be the favorites 
in this field for a chance to win double, triple the amount of money that you would be able to win on the PGA tour. And you don't have to compete, compete against these guys like Hovland and Cam Young popping up. Obviously they're going to say yes to that. I understand why they're doing that. The biggest question to me, Rick is does a player, I don't know, let's say Mav McNeely. Does a guy like Mav McNeely look at the first live golf tournament and see Lee Westwood winning it and say to himself, I'm better than Lee Westwood. Like I, Lee West, I'm better than Lee Westwood and he just won 4 million bucks. And you're telling me I have to shoot 15 under par to beat Cam Young and Joaquin Neiman. Like that's the reason why I don't think that we can say it's dead yet. Right, Rick? For sure. And once it starts, I think right or wrong, it will be more palatable for guys to go because they will be able to say, well, you know, I'm just the ninth guy. I'm just the 12th guy. I'm just the 17th guy. I'm not the first guy. So once I think it actually starts, I think you will see some more defectors as you could call them uh like cam tringale who's made 16 million bucks and has never won on tour he should like sprint over there and be like all right all right like let me play for four million bucks in a 48 person field to try to win one of these damn things yeah and phil kind of already took a lot of the punches right like phil sucked a, a lot of the air out of the balloon as well like if we're gonna have a discourse on the morality of this situation i think a lot of people are going to have that conversation related to Phil right now at this point, after a certain, certain extent, it's like, okay, like we, we hash that out with Phil, like these guys are just going to go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious to see, I think, you know, what was interesting is I, I don't want to say that this is a done deal. I, 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 I looked at Bubba Watson's schedule. Did you see this? Right. And he, he tweeted out his schedule <laughs> weird move, right? Because he tweeted out, a tor- the RBC Canadian Open, I think our friend Eric Patterson tweeted this. He was one of the reported names to go to live, and he also put out on his schedule that he was playing a PGA Tour tournament on the first week of a big live golf tournament. Yeah, that was a little bit of, uh, I think, you know, crisis management. If you're Bubba's team, the guy who's never tweeted out his schedule in his life as after reports come out that he's going to live being like, Oh, actually, here's what I'm going to do this summer. Uh, I'm not responding to anything in particular, just letting you guys know where I'm going to be. Have fun. Bye. Like that's it's strange. It's bizarre. Yeah. Damage control. It felt like a little bit. So that's, that's again, that's the other thing. Like we need to, I can't believe this. This the first live event is in like two months. It's in June. Yeah. Two months ago. Are people gonna watch this? Is this gonna be on TV? Who's gonna broadcast it? <laughs> well, doesn't Greg Norman have ties with Fox? I have no idea. Do you think Fox? I mean, do you think I don't think a major I think I they'll probably just broadcast it themselves, right? Or stream it. I mean, who you're are you telling me a major American network is going to broadcast this on the first event. I doubt that. You're probably right. If anything, it'd be Fox sports. It wouldn't even, it definitely wouldn't be like channel five Fox. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm fat. I'm fascinated to see where this goes. I, I mean, I don't even what's the, the field's like 40 players and they already, we were talking off air a little bit about the fact that 
they're going to let amateurs want to play too now. Yeah, this is kind of bizarre too because the, the tone has definitely shifted from Greg Norman, which was we are going to create the largest prize purses for the best players in the world to compete at a series of just amazing events and amazing courses to, well, we're going to play eight this year. We're going to play 10 next year. And oh, by the way, we're also going to let amateurs in and we're going to work with them to get these NIL deals, name and likeness deals so that they can retain their eligibility. It's just like a far cry from what was originally pitched. Right. Right. Which I think they're having to, I think they're kind of just shooting by the hip of their pants and just, just, kind of making it up as they go a little bit. Um, so I'm fascinated to see whether we get more players over the next month. If I had to make a prediction, I would say that the first event is going to be very light. Uh, and then if we see a player like Poulter or Westwood actually pocket 4 million bucks and be $4 million richer, then the second event will be like, okay, wow, maybe they'll get some more names. I agree. There's also There was also a comment from Greg Norman that they're not going to be fully up and running for two years, so they're not asking guys to essentially commit to this tour, which is also strange because that was never really the question. It was whether they would commit to the PGA Tour because you know, Live Golf is not saying – you can't go back and forth. They probably, I don't know if they care or not, but yeah. the PGA Tour cares. So it's its just a really, the tone has changed so much to be, okay, we're two years away from asking players to actually commit, but they're not two years away from putting these guys in limbo if they do play because it's the return to the PGA Tour that's the concern for a lot of guys. Yeah, and the majors too, right? And the Ryder Cup too. If you're somebody like Lee Westwood, do you say to yourself, I would make this sacrifice to never play in a major again and never be associated with the Ryder Cup? That's uh, like the, that's the question that I think is so, interesting. So he's obviously so if he's past the moral stuff, I, he he definitely should. He should mm -hmm. definitely do that. Yeah, because I think it takes. Uh, you know, a guy like Ian Poulter and a guy like Lee Westwood, those guys are never going to be Ryder Cup captains now, right? I mean, the Ryder Cup's PGA of America, right? So it's a different, it's different than the PGA Tour. The President's Cup is put on by the PGA Tour. So maybe that's, that's its own issue as well. Um, but the Ryder Cup's PGA of America. So that's a whole different governing body. But you have to imagine that if, they do the lift stuff that's going to have an effect on, on some of this stuff as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there are, there are ramifications that we have not seen yet because we have not seen an unofficial players list. Nothing's, you know, we haven't seen a, a one single shot hit on this tour yet. There, there are going to be a lot of ramifications this summer and we're only, you mentioned it. We're like 50 days away from what I think their first scheduled event is. It's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. We shall see. Yeah. We shall see. Andy, anything else before we get out of here? World of Golf, RBC Heritage, show recommendations, anything you want here? I don't think so. Who wins? Who's your winner? <sighs> Let me look at the leaderboard. I will say 
Joaquin Neiman. Okay. He's almost done. Um, he took like a penalty. He basically took two penalties. He hit one in the water, shanked one. He's still in the mix. I think he's got all the shots. We saw what he did at Riviera. I He's described Hilton Head as one of his favorite spots. I think he's kind of the class at the top of the board. Who's already done? I'll take Neiman. Okay. I'll stick with I'll stick with Corey Connors just to make it interesting. But I your position Connors, is probably the smarter one. Corey Connors is an ace machine. Yeah, it's insane, right? You tweeted that out. He's got four aces in the last under two years. And that's just in competitive rounds on tour. He might have more than that just playing practice rounds. Have you ever had an ace? No. Have you? Yeah. No, and I've been playing golf since I was five years old. I've had multiple occurrences where I've holed out from the fairway from like over 100 yards. Mm -hmm. I've never had a hole-in-one on a par three, ever. I've been playing golf since I was five. Been very close. I've had a couple that have rolled by. I've had a couple that have stopped on the lip. I've had a couple that have finished within inches. Never dropped. Ever. And Corey Connors is just making it look so easy. Sicko. Um, one final note before we get out of here. Next week is Zurich, so that will be very interesting. It's a team event. I actually recorded a fun little 300 yards to unknown episode, uh, a preview with Armina Andy. I figured, hey, let's just team it up. She gets to come in. Uh, she has no idea about anything, so I picked her brain on it, and we talked through the format. Good. I'm all for it. More Armina content, the better. Yeah, it's a fun week. I already started writing like the course preview um, for the site and like it's a little wonky, right? Like I, I am making a model, but that's just because I'm a psycho and, and stuff like that. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be a really, really fun week. Um, Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland. Very excited to watch those two play golf together. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, well, we'll be back on Tuesday for uh, another live scramble. But for now, big thanks to producer Mina. She does all the hard work behind the scenes. Andy Lack is available on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Friday scramble. Catch you next time.